Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. My name is Hakun Wong. I'm the editor-in-chief of Football Garbage Time, and with me, as always, is senior staff writer Ryan Whitfield. But today, we have a special treat for all of you, as we have two very special guests joining us today. We're lucky to have Nick Sparts and Chris Hopper of the Beer-Fueled Fantasy Football Podcast on the show. You all might remember that Nick joined us last year before the start of the season, drop his fantasy football knowledge on us, and I can tell you from listening to their podcast and talking to them offline that both Nick and Chris know exactly what they're talking about. How are you guys doing? We are fantastic. That was uh, that was quite the intro, and uh, I'm glad we <laughs> you know, we're talking about. We do, do a pretty good job of uh, being a couple guys that like to chit-chat back and forth about football, and you know, we learn some things along the way. Yeah, we're unfortunately yeah. missing our third. We got two of the three members of the Deerfield Fantasy Football here, and uh, you're welcome to be our hype man anytime. Yeah. So, so, I, and actually, I just got it. And I just Ryan, I, I just saw you just popped on, so I just intro the guys in the Beerfield Fantasy Football Podcast. They're all here. So, how you doing, Ryan? Doing good, boys. All right. So, some of you might not know this, but the guys from the Beer Fueled Fantasy Football Podcast are celebrating their first year anniversary, which is fantastic. It's a terrific podcast. Everyone should go check it out. You definitely won't regret it. But one of the things you guys uh, do, other than talk about football, as your namesake indicates, is talk about beer. And if there's something that I love as much as football, beer is definitely up there. So, now... I know you guys try different beers all season long, and you uh, you now had a whole season under your belt. I know you've been doing a lot of beer drinking outside of that. So tell me, both of you, with all that experience over the first year on the air, what are some of your favorite breweries? I'll kick it off first here. My favorite that uh, I have to that we've had on the show quite a few times here is Four Hands out of St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, they've had multiple great beers on the show, but to high, the highlight of theirs that I want to kick out is Absence of Light. It is a peanut butter chocolate milk stout. If you actually watch the show, wow. fantasy football on YouTube is sitting right above Hopper's head. <laughs> uh, it's just a release beer they bring out every winter, and I something I seek out every single year to get my hands on it. Yeah, for me, uh, I'm going to keep it a little bit more local, but there's a brewery that's uh, kind of startup taken off at least across the state of Illinois where we're at. Uh, but Triptych, they're located in Champaign, Illinois. They do a lot right. more forward beers. They do a lot of hoppy stuff, so. Their dank meme and really dank meme are kind of their flagships. Uh, personally, I'm a favorite of their elite wheat, but all their beers have just really, really good flavor, really good balance to them. That's fantastic. Already, you guys have dropped more knowledge on our listeners than Ryan and I normally do in 30 minutes. So thanks so much for that, guys. That's fantastic. Everybody, check out their podcast. There is so much more on that as well as fantasy football. But let's get the business right now. Let's talk about a little bit of fantasy football. As we all know, the 2018 NFL Draft is coming up at AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas on Thursday, April 26th to Saturday, April 28th. As usual, there will be seven rounds, totaling 256 picks. And just a few weeks ago, we at Football Garbage Time, along with our friends here at the Beer Fueled Fantasy Football Podcast and the Urban Sports Scene Podcast, conducted a mock NFL Draft of the first round over Twitter. You can find all that on our website or on Twitter if you search for hashtag FGT mock draft. 
and we certainly learned a lot from the mock. Interestingly, half the first-round picks were defense. A quarter of them were on the offensive line, and only the remaining quarter were offensive skill position players. Four quarterbacks, two running backs, one wide receiver, and one tight end. Now, we already gave you all our thoughts as to why we thought those picks would happen, but today we're going to focus on something different. We're going to focus on fantasy football and which of these rookies, if any, you should keep an eye on and why. So let's get started with the quarterback. So the first thing I want to do is note that in the uh, mock draft that we conducted, there were four quarterbacks that went. The Browns took Sam Darno first overall. Jets took Josh Allen at third. Bills took Josh Rosen at 12th. And the Cardinals took Baker Mayfield at 15th. So there's a lot of other names out there and a lot of deeper names to look at. So why don't you uh, get us started, Nick? Which rookie quarterbacks are you keeping an eye on at the NFL draft for fantasy football purposes and why? Uh, the ones I would look at besides those, Lamar Jackson would be the number one name to highlight. He's a running quarterback. He, uh, I think he will go in the first round. I think there's at least five quarterbacks taken in the NFL draft here next Thursday. I expect Jackson to be a name that is highlighted easily, but I think you can find enough analysts in, in other places. Moving on, Jason Rudolph's an obvious name here. Uh, we're kind of split on him as a podcast. Hopper and Curry like him more than I do. I think he's got some arm issues, but I expect he is taken late first round, early second. And then for a couple deeper names to keep an eye on, we're big fans of Mike White out of Western Kentucky. He's got a big arm. He's mm. very, very smart when it comes to the NF, uh, reading uh, defenses. I believe he's on uh, during the combine that I'm doing some chalkboard stuff, and he was able to dissect plays very quickly. Not athletic, though, so he's going to have some issues transitioning to the NFL and have to get very good at reading protections. But he's a guy who's got some upside for him. The other guy I like is Kurt Benkert out of Virginia. Mm. Strong arm guy, improvises a lot, can roll out of the pocket, make some throws, got some moderate athleticism to him. He's a guy I hadn't heard of at all until I watched his tape, but he jumped off the screen for me. He was one of the few players I've got heard no hype on coming into the draft that I actually enjoyed his tape for. Yeah, all right. Just to piggyback what Nick said about, you know, Mike White is a guy that I specifically had listed to highlight. He's a guy that over his last two two seasons in college completed over 5% of his passes, had less than 10 interceptions. Nick mentioned the cannon arm and the way he can dissect plays, but it shows up on the field also. He throws a great anticipation, which is something you didn't really see from anybody else in this draft. It's like the anti-Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson's all athlete, but has to work on his throwing. Mike White is just all arm. The other guy that we didn't bring up that I wanted to highlight that's flying under the radar is Nick Shimanick. Uh He's got kind of all the tools that you would want to be uh, an, at least an average quarterback in this league. So, you're in a two-quarterback league looking for a flyer, something like that. Shimanick's a good guy to target. He's got the speed. He's got the arm. He's got the accuracy. does come out of an air raid offense, so there's a little bit of a learning curve there. But overall, he showed great and has a lot of the traits you'd like to see. He's a guy that, while that is getting a lot of hype to New England, I would like to see Shimanick there. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, Ryan, let me ask you, do you have any thoughts on that, particularly the angle on New England? Um. No, no, nothing really that, that deep. Um, you know, for me, fantasy-wise, I'm I'm a big Lamar Jackson guy. I think I've made my thoughts known on the top four guys, and uh, that I'm not not a very big fan of this. Should uh, be drafting the top end at least. So Lamar Jackson's the guy that I really like out of this. And um, you know, wh- whoever the Patriots take, whether it's Mason Rudolph, Blade, or Shimanick, um, you know, I think it's a, it's a couple year development project. So that, you know, for, for fantasy value, those, those are you know, you definitely don't want to see one of those teams go to New England. Right, and I guess uh, Tom Brady's going to play till he's 60, right? So it's not going to matter anyway. You have, uh, what, like, at least a 15-year runway for that? 
Hey, I, I think I, I think I released Tom Brady on the show last week and Gronk yeah. and, uh, and and fired Bill. So <laughs> I got sure the wrong guy. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks a lot. Well, that was a, those are some good names. I'm actually writing all those down. Let's go ahead and switch over to the another skill position. I'm going to ring the bell and move on over to the running back position. In our mock draft, we had Saquon Barkley go second overall to the Giants, and we had Ronald Jones, surprisingly, go at the 32nd pick. Other names, of course, Darius Geis, Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle, all those guys are out there. Let's start with you, Chris, this time. And what are your thoughts on rookie running backs that you're keeping an eye on in the NFL draft for fantasy football? So outside of the guys that you mentioned in the interest of giving a little some uh, some deeper cuts here, uh, a guy that I'm looking at is Royce Freeman. He's kind of been climbing up draft boards as far as in dynasty leagues, rookie mock. He's going towards the back of the first round there after guys like Chubb, guys Michelle. Five eleven, two twenty nine. He's built a lot like Le'Veon Bell, but he's one of two college guys ever to have fifty five hundred plus rush yards and over eight hundred receiving yards. That, that's uh, bigger schools within the last two years anyway. The other one was Donnell Pumphrey, but Donnell Pumphrey's 5'8", 176. So unlike Pumphrey, Freeman's got the vision, the agility, the size, uh, the receiving chops, everything you could want in a in an NFL back, and he's a guy that's not getting a lot of love. The other guy that I specifically wanted to highlight, I've got two of them, actually. Uh, John Kelly is one of them. He's built like Camara. He comes from Tennessee like Camara. He shows a lot of the same qualities as far as his hands, being a hard runner, great balance. Uh, he's got plus vision and agility. And then Edo Smith is the other one. Uh, Edo Smith is very productive. I believe he had three straight 1,000-yard seasons in college with 300-plus receiving yards. A little bit smaller back at 5'9", but he is 205 pounds. He can make himself small through the line. So just some guys to keep an eye on. Nick, you got anything to add? Other guys I would toss out who I think might sneak up into the third or fourth round of the draft. Mark Walton out of Miami. He was a really high prospect after his 2016 season, but in 2017 he dealt with multiple ankle injuries before being shut down in his fifth game. Uh, and he ended up having the ankle surgery. Uh, but he, his 2016 tape looks awesome. He's a great pass catcher. He's built similarly to Edo Smith, so he's going to be kind of a um, change of pace back, possibly with some upside. Uh, and he shows the ability to run between the tackles. So he's a guy I like a lot, and the other one I would want to bring up is going to be Bo Scarborough, kind of the forgotten guy out of Alabama. He was a top-tier recruit coming out of high school. He's built to be a running back in this league at 6'1", 228 pounds, had a very, very good combine overall, and his tape shows flashes of potential. He's kind of the, he's not going to go early in any drafts, and I think he's probably a fourth or fifth-round pick in the NFL draft, but he's a name to keep an eye on if you're looking to try to scoop up some value, especially in a dynasty league. All right. Now, Ryan, I know how you feel about running backs and, and running backs in the draft in particular, but any thoughts on running backs in, for fantasy football purposes out of the rookie class? Yeah, I just, don't, don't, don't make me an anti-running back guy. I got no use for an elite running back draft in the first round who's just going to pound the rock again. I mean, the last time one of those guys won a Super Bowl. But anyways... Uh, LeGarrette Blunt's won three straight. That's all I get to say. Uh, but no, the guy, and I don't think I heard either one of you touch on him that I really like. Um, you know, I'm, of course, I'm like everybody trying to find the next Alvin Kamara after last year. Um, but I really like on Johnson uh, out of Auburn, uh, projected to go late second round in the draft right now from everything I'm seeing. You know, uh, could be uh, making an appearance in Detroit. Uh, he had a visit with them last week. Uh, but he's a guy who could play all three downs. I know there's concerns about his frame and his body holding up in the, in the NFL, but uh, his pass catching ability, his, his quickness, his speed, um, he's a guy that could be a playmaker in a place that uh, has, you know, 
Theo Riggs done a nice job, but I don't think he's ever really reached the ceiling. And Amir Abdullah has been a pretty big disappointment through the last uh, couple of years here. So, carry on mm-hmm. Johnson, especially if he ends up in Detroit and plays for Stafford. I'd, I'd love him on my squad. Great. And, and I have to ask a question here. I'll ask, to, I'll ask Chris this question because you brought him up, Royce Freeman. So he had four years in, at Oregon. And, and the question I have, because everyone always talks about reps in college and how that can be helpful for quarterbacks, but what about running backs? Do you think that has any play at all as to a, uh, indicating how successful they will, will be in the NFL and whether that will impact their ability to, 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 to get those uh, fantasy points for you once they get to the NFL? So it's kind of a double-edged sword with running backs. On one hand, yes, you want them to have experience. The more they're on the field, the better pass blockers they're going to be, which is going to keep them on the field in the NFL. Mm -hmm. They're going to develop vision. They're going to learn blocking schemes. They're going to learn what the defense is doing. They're going to know where their holes are, where their cutback lanes are, and Royce Freeman definitely shows that. You also want them to show the ability to carry a workload, especially if you're looking at three-down backs without getting hurt. So you want to see that they can take 250 touches in a season. In Royce Freeman's case, they had 300. Now, double-edged sword there, though, is when you talk about longevity, and this is more for dynasty than, than redraft, but when you talk longevity on a mm-hmm. running back, the more carries a guy gets in college, the more he's going to get beat up, the more wear he's going to have on those tires. So you also have to be wary of that. But Royce Freeman's not a guy with a lengthy injury history. So, you know, for him specifically, I think they, it plays a little bit more in his favor. So there's a lot of factors you have to look at, though, as far as running back volume. Right. Well, that, that's all good. Got all good points. I think that's really important to keep an eye on that. I always had a thought about that because of the fact that people talked about getting reps for the, some of the skill positions, such as quarterbacks. But you're right, that kind of wear and tear on the tread and the tires where the running backs can be something to keep an eye on as well. So let's go ahead and ring the bell on the running back. Let's move on to the wide receivers. During our mock draft, the Ravens took Calvin Ridley out of Alabama at 16th overall. And there are others that are out there. None other were taken in the first round in our mock draft, but of course there's Cortland Sutton, Christian Kirk, DJ Moore, many others. Let's go ahead and start with you, Nick. Which rookie wide receivers are you keeping an eye on in the NFL draft for fantasy football purposes and why? Outside of the obvious four you have named, though I will say I'm down on Ridley myself and we kind of are as a podcast, mm-hmm. uh, get some serious red flags in his uh, uh, athletic profile and age. Uh, but some guys we like that are kind of the next tier down, we're big fans of Anthony Miller, Michael Gallup, Dante Pettis. All three are going to be, uh, I think, great receivers in the NFL. They're all built similarly where they're kind of smaller, thinner receivers, but they show um, great route running, overall great players. Gallup is the one we're the highest on, profiles well, great uh, body positioner and fights for the ball. He's got a Colorado State, so he's a smaller school guy, but he fits all the boxes and actually got a uh, perfect prospect score indicator out of uh, – um, from Dynasty Guru FF in his metric that he runs. So he's a player you definitely want to keep an eye on. Yep, Michael right. Gallup's favorite because of the way that he runs routes and can fight through coverage. Another guy that you want to keep an eye on. So there's all kinds of hype on Auden Tate. I don't like Auden Tate, but there is a big wide receiver in this draft I do like going at 6'5", 227. That's Alan Lazard. Ran a four five five forty. He's athletically comps body-wise and with his combine numbers to Mike Evans. So he's a big-bodied receiver that has some athletic traits to him. He's got great ball-tracking skills and body control, so he can adjust to the ball in the air. Good speed for his size. His breakout age is 19.7, which is a very good indicator of success in the NFL. The lower that is, the better, and under 20 is generally pretty good. Um, Very smooth outrunner, though. He has a lot of the nuances of playing wide receiver down, and he's the most athletic big receiver in this draft. So, as far as, you know, your six, four, six, five guys. So Alan Lazard, the guy I'm really high on. 
Wow. And okay. One, and uh, go ahead. Keep going. And then one last name I want to throw out there, and this is just for the ultimate deep guy who uh, we've started getting interested in. Justin Watson out of Penn. <laughs> uh, freak mm. of an athletic profile. Crushed it against the Ivy League competition. Uh, but comes in at 6225, just an absolutely stacked receiver. 44240. Had 1,000-yard seasons every single year at Penn. Uh, if it wasn't for him being at such a small school, he would be a significantly more well-regarded prospect. So it's a question of can he make the jump to the NFL, but he crushed the competition in the Ivy League. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And, and uh, Ryan, you know, give me your thoughts on the wide receivers. I know you have a particular type of wide receiver you like, and it's usually the big dudes, but uh, what are your thoughts on these rookies coming out uh, this coming draft? Yeah, I'm a big fan of big dudes. Um, Alan Lazard <laughs> uh, was a guy out of contact. named Sorry, on man. podcast. <laughs> I, Alan Lazard was a guy I actually named on our podcast uh, a couple weeks ago when we were talking about late round guys because of everything uh, that they just said there. Um, and then Cortland Sutton, too, uh, is I know he's a more of a bigger name there. But those are the two guys I'm most excited about. You know me, I do not like diva small wide receivers. Deshaun Jacksons and, and such can uh, can kick rocks. Um, but <laughs> Sutton and, and Lazard are, are two guys that I'm, you know, I'm really excited for, uh, in the rookie class wide receiver this year in a an admittedly, uh, weaker class this year. Right. So let me, let me turn back to Nick and ask you a question. Cause I know that all of you guys have actually mentioned some of the combine results when talking about certain players and the 40 yard dash is one of those things that are a little bit controversial is how, what kind of indicator that is, uh, with regard to how that, uh, particular skill player will play in the, in the, uh, NFL. But what are your thoughts about, the 40-yard dash times and how it reflects on wide receivers coming into the NFL. Is there any impact there? Are you uh, persuaded by a faster 40 time, or does that actually bother you at all? Uh, it's just another thing you check off the box when you're looking at these players. Uh, we look at tape, breakout age, dominator rating, uh, size. Um, we look at all the combine numbers, and it's just another thing that we're looking at for these players. Usually, a 40 time alone is not going to ever sell me on a player unless it's crazy dominant and then I also still need to see other things with it for example I was not a big John Ross fan last year even with his crazy time uh, right. but looking at some of these players here, it's more going to be if they bomb the 40 so if they run a 4-7 uh, like an Auden Tate for example like we talked about before that is a major red flag for a player and it's going to be can he play fast enough to play at the NFL Right. Okay. That's good. That's good thoughts. I've always thought uh, a lot of people have talked about the right about the 40 yard dash and how it's not necessarily indicative, but I've always thought that for wide receivers, you do end up running a lot of 40 yards and in, in a straight line. And that actually could be indicated indicative. And I know that Ryan hates it when I say this with blow to top off type of wide receiver, which I, he absolutely hates, but I, I certainly think that is an aspect of someone's game that might be helpful uh, for those at least not in PPR league. So let me go ahead and ring the bell on that. Let's move over to our last skill position of the day. That's the tight ends. In our mock draft, only one tight end was selected. That was selected by the Saints. That's Mike Gusecki of Penn State at 27th overall. There are a number of other names out there, including Hayden Hurst, Mark Andrews, and Dalton Schultz. It's very hard to determine how good these tight ends will be because, of course, they could be in line or they could be moved tight ends. But which rookie tight ends, and we're going to go ahead and switch back over to you, Chris, which rookie tight ends are you keeping an eye on in the NFL draft for the fantasy football purposes this time around? So outside of Gusecki, who I think is clearly the number one tight end in this class, uh, uh, Dallas Goddard, another guy who's quickly quickly rising up, um, is becoming a bigger name. I don't think he's quite there yet, but he's a guy that, you know, athletically can at least compete with Gusecki. He's a great pass catcher. He's a very solid blocker. He does a lot of things well that you'd like to see in a tight end. Now, the thing about the tight end position to keep in mind, especially for redraft, is very rarely do tight ends give you anything for fantasy in year one. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Outlier, and I don't even think you would have seen that if the injuries that New York had last year wouldn't have happened. So keep that in mind as I go through these. But Dallas Goddard's a guy. Ian Thomas is another guy who's definitely not getting a hype that I like. Tape show that he's an effective pass catcher. He's got good athleticism. He shows a second gear um, after the catch and in his routes. He's a very sturdy protector in the passing game as well. And then a third guy that uh, that I want to throw out there is Mark Andrews. Andrews is a guy who athletically isn't as good as the other three guys that I've mentioned, but he's got very good hands. He's a very good blocker. Um, he's kind of like almost reminds me of like a Heath Miller type, if you will. Um mm-hmm. Very reliable, but he's not going to blow you away with his athletic traits. And I think that that's ultimately what, or like a Jack Doyle, for example, just a guy that's got great hands, solid blocker, but he's not going to, you know, run through people or break big plays or anything like that. Hmm. All right, Nick, you got any thoughts on the, the tight ends? This isn't a very deep tight end class, so... um the only other thing I would throw out there is if you were trying to look at this draft class from a redraft purposes, the only mm-hmm. one with star would be Gusecki because he is going to be primarily a move tight end and not a blocker. So he should get more opportunities in the passing game. Uh, if you're looking for one guy that might run in an opportunity to produce your one, he'd be the only one I'd expect. Landing All right. Matters. <laughs> that matters. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Uh, ab- absolutely. Um, so Ryan, any thoughts on the tight ends in the uh, rookie class for fantasy football? Yeah, the the guy I had highlighted was uh, was Dallas Godair too. Uh, big hands, strong hands, great pass catcher. Um, so I, you know, he's a he's the guy that I that I highlighted again. And just a, a pretty weak overall class, but if you know you can get him in the, the you know he should go in the second round if he gets in the right situation. I think he could be a decent fantasy player, uh, specifically for dynasty leagues. All right, so let me turn this back over to uh, to Nick because I know you. Uh, actually, to, I guess Chris started the uh, discussion on the on the tight ends. Let me ask you this question: So, with with regard to the people that are that we just talked about, you know, you mentioned Mike Gesicki, Dallas Goddard. If they ended up in a good situation, let's say, perhaps in New Orleans, someplace where there is going to be a, a passing running a passing quarterback who likes using the tight end, or a coach who likes utilizing a move tight end, would you rather take a flyer on them in a redraft league? than someone like Jimmy Graham, who's had a couple of ups and downs, not really great time at, uh, in, uh, in uh, Seattle, but now is going to be signing on with the Packers. Uh, and maybe he has uh, something, to, something he can do over in Green Bay. No, I wouldn't. I, I almost would never take a, a rookie over a guy that's proven because there's so much additional besides pass catching that goes into playing the tight end position that's going to mm-hmm. on the field. And tight ends, you know, mostly you're starting one of them. They're kind of a, a dime a dozen one of those positions where, you know, outside of your top tier guys, it just kind of gets really muddled and messy and it's going to depend week to week. It's a popular street position. So no, I, I would almost always lean towards the, the proven veteran in that case. Now, if I get to around 12 of my redraft league and there's a guy that has a great landing spot that, you know, I can pick up, I may take them in kind of a, a turn and burn roster spot and, you know, hold on to them just in case they do go off or show something that way I own them you know, maybe pair them with a guy like Jimmy Graham who has some has some question marks there, but I'm not going to take them over Jimmy Graham. If there's a rookie mm-hmm. tight end I like, I'm going to look to pair them with a veteran tight end like you know, Jimmy Graham, Jordan Reed, somebody like that that has question marks around them mm-hmm. just in case. All right. Okay. Well, I, I think that's some good knowledge there. Everyone keep an eye out for that and think about that when you're drafting your tight end next this upcoming season. Let's ring the bell because I actually want to talk about one more thing, and that is MFL10. 
It's going to be uh, My Fantasy League 10. That's uh, basically a uh, kind of a slow draft league. Everything gets drafted in advance. And it's now being carried by Fanball. It's all set up in PPR scoring, 12 teams. You haven't played it before. It's a great, great way to play fantasy football. It is actually a best ball league. So the players that you have in your roster are the ones that will score for you. And the best quarterback score will be the one that's counted for that week. So you don't have to make decisions as to who's in your lineup. So Nick and Chris, and we'll uh, go ahead and start with Nick first. What are your thoughts about the rookies and how you go about drafting them in an MFL 10 league, as opposed to a kind of redraft or even any other season long fantasy football league? I'm definitely not reaching on rookies just because especially if you're drafting here in the next week and a half before the NFL draft actually happens, because we Uh don't know what type of capital has been invested in any of these guys. Draft capital is going to directly correlate to their opportunities on the field. If I'm looking to draft a rookie, I'm looking for either a running back that's taken in the first three that I expect to be taken in the first three rounds. So that's going to be names besides the ones you already mentioned, like Rashad Penny, Ronald Jones, players like that, who you might be able to Uh grab in the 14th, 15th round, one of these drafts who still make it a starting opportunity or at least a major part of a timeshare. And then for wide receivers, I'm looking for a wide receiver. I expect to be taken in the first two rounds, which is basically just Sutton, Moore, Kirk and Washington would be the only five names I'd really look at. Hmm. Okay. And uh, and Chris, what are your thoughts? Uh, Kind of along the lines of what Nick said, um, I'm not going to reach on a lot of rookies in in MFL 10s, especially not before I know landing spot. Now it's landing spot happens get a top two round wide receiver, top three round running back, something like that, then yeah, um, you may want to go pick them up. But really, you're going to want to save your rookies towards the, the end of that. It's best ball, not a lot of risk there, but you're going to want to be smart with it as far as you know, landing spot, draft capital, opportunity. But typically with that type of league, stay more veteran. Mm-hmm. And would, okay, and, and go ahead. <laughs> I would avoid tight end completely. I would not draft a rookie tight end uh, in best yeah. I was going to ask you that question. All right. And then what do you, what do you think, Ryan, your thoughts on MFL 10 and rookies? Yeah, I mean, I don't really have anything, anything more to add than what <laughs> they said there. Um, yeah. So I'll just, I'll keep it short and sweet. Uh, I'll, I reiterate what they think. All right. And, 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 and that's the easiest way to answer any question. I will always reiterate whatever Nick and, uh, and Chris <laughs> thinks. Uh, let me, let me just ask this one question. Um, what about Saquon Barkley? And I know, I already know, Ryan, how you feel about Saquon Barkley, but let me, let me just mention this. I heard on a couple mock drafts in this kind of best ball format, people taking Saquon Barkley as high as the third round. Um, what are your thoughts about that? The, the argument being that he will have a good landing place either in the, with the Giants or the Browns will certainly have some sort of starting role and is a really good pass catcher for that PPR format. Well, they said there's an exception to every rule, and I think Saquon might be the exception to this rule. He's a he's a generational talent that you know is going to have a good landing spot. You know he's going to have draft capital, so you know he's going to have opportunity. So he's a guy that you do want to look at taking in that you know second round or so after your, your big guys go, after your Bells and your Johnsons and um, your Gurleys. You know Saquon's an upside play, and that's what MFL 10 is all about is upside. So mm-hmm. he's going to have everything you want to see in a rookie that you would invest in there. Yeah. I was expecting to say first round um, and be a little surprised at that. When he said third, I'm like, no, that sounds like a great price for Barkley. I would totally take him the wow, third yeah. round. And wow. Second, okay. Yeah. For, first, you could even see him go at the back end of that. Right. And, and actually I was, uh, I actually kind of uh, tempered that a little bit. I actually saw it in the second round, but I want to kind of set it up so I didn't seem totally crazy. So thanks. I feel actually pretty good about being conservative about this now. All right. 
So it looks like we're running down to the last two minutes of the show, but I want to quick fire here. Des Bryant, you guys, what is the impact on the Dallas Cowboys from a fantasy perspective? Their opportunity there for a guy like uh, Switzer, Beasley, uh, don't look at Terrence Williams, but whoever lands there in the draft, because they'll draft somebody, is going to be interesting in a, as a mm-hmm. middle-round wide receiver. But I don't necessarily see you want to take anybody as wide receiver one or wide receiver two there. Yeah, and I think in mm-hmm. terms of the real NFL draft, I think they're the ideal landing spot for a rookie wide receiver. So I'm hoping DJ Moore goes there. Right, right. All right. Well, that is all the time we have today. And I want to thank Nick and Chris from the Beer Fueled Fantasy Football Podcast, which you can find on iTunes, now on Spotify, and also on YouTube. It's really great watching them live, and they will have a live stream on YouTube for the NFL Draft. So check them out there. We always appreciate their input. You guys want to give out your social media accounts so people can follow you? Yep, I am at HotBFF with two Ps. I am at Nick Sparts, and the show is at BeerFueledFF on Twitter. All right, and Ryan, give us your Twitter and Instagram so people can follow you. Yep, follow me on Twitter, at Ryan Whitfield, N-E, on Instagram, football underscore garbage underscore time, and check out my boys at DraftingSleepers.com, the social network for fantasy sports. Yeah, for some reason, I don't feel like we had a complete show because Ryan didn't call anybody an idiot today. That's amazing, Ryan. This is like the first time this ever happened, I think. So yeah, uh, I can say. Yeah, I take the back seat. <laughs> we wouldn't have been. <laughs> So, uh, so you can follow me on Twitter at FB Garbage Time. We'll be back this Thursday this week talking to the guys in the urban sports scene and discussing more in the NFL draft as well as insight on the Redskins and the Falcons offseason. So until then, thanks again to the guys from the Beer-Fueled Fantasy Football Podcast. Don't forget to check them out. They are really good. You will not regret it. And until next time, enjoy your NFL week.